This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. Jory Kapowski had her first opiate prescription at 10 years old after suffering a figure skating injury. Many injuries during her high school years and a bad car accident at age 24 left Jory permanently disabled. Along with other traumatic events in her life, which led to PTSD, Jory became an opiate addict. After a brush with the law, Jory committed to becoming sober. Just last year, she discovered Kratom and it helped her stay off opiates, get off some of her psych meds, and decreased her use of other medications. This is Jory Kotowski, and this is her Kratom story. I was a figure skater since I was like four or five, give or take. Wow. So, and I did it competitively and like, so I was at the ice rink starting at the age of like 10, Wow! like almost more than I was at school. I so have I that. I broke um... a lot of bones. Plus I was a dancer. So, and I was a gymnast. So okay. like it all kind of went together. Like a lot of like dancers and skaters, like they do a lot of similar things. <laughs> Yes. I broke a lot of bones, so I've had, I was on a lot of, like, opiates. I had chronic migraines. I had an opiate prescription starting at the age of 10. Oh, really? My parents, well, yeah, my parents controlled it. It's not like I was, you know, popping them every day. Yeah. But, like, I was on them a lot more than a normal child would be. Yeah. So how many, let's say, how many hours a week did you practice, or were you skating? I got to do it in days because yeah, I would be at the ice rink. I have to, like, talk things out because otherwise my brain doesn't function that way. Oh, go ahead. I would be starting at the age of, like, I would say, like, 10 to, like, early teens. I was there probably four hours a day, every day like two hours on a Saturday and then usually nothing on a Sunday and all my friends and I from the rink would hang out. I would do my homework there. So like I'm just counting like skating time and like workout time and like that stuff. And then when I got into high school-ish age, I was there four hours in the morning, four to six hours at night, depending on if it was like ice show or competition season. And then... I went to college and I would skate at college like sometimes, but it wasn't like competitive anymore. And it was just kind of like a, I would go just to like, that would be my form of working out is I would go to like the local rink there and skate. But I also had a lot of time off for injuries and stuff. Like I fractured my back when I was 16 years old. So like, wow, I had some chunk of time off. So when was your, you said you were on opiate prescription at 10. What do you remember your first injury? I don't know. What came first, whether it was a migraine that they gave me opiates for, they probably did that in the hospital. So I'd probably had it in the hospital a few times. Mm. And then I broke my growth plate, I think it was. It was in my elbow when I was in fourth grade. So what are you in fourth grade? I'm, like, old for my class. And that was my first, like, solid, like, week or two of being on opiates was in fourth grade. Okay. I think it was like only Vicodin, like five million. It was like the lowest you could get. Yeah, yeah. 
so you, I guess you kept taking them. Did you, did you ever like stop until you were an never, adult? Or? It was never like a problem. Like I would be on them, off them. I think the longest I would be off of them would be like, you know, like I would just take them like as prescribed. Mm-hmm. And then when I got in my car accident, they just kept throwing more and more and more at me. And the last like two or three years, I was on 116 milligrams of Dilaudid prescribed a day. Wow. Plus a 50, plus a 50, whatever you measure. I don't know the measurements yeah. of a fentanyl patch, but yeah. I know it was 50, whatever the units were oh, are. Yeah, fentanyl, yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I had a fentanyl patch on that I would change every some odd days. You would change it. Okay. And how, so, how old were you? I was when so you... messed up. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, and I have fibro, so my memory is kind of bad. You know, fibromyalgia. It, it kind of seems like a lot of injuries and and trauma like that <clears throat> kind of leads to that. Is do you think that? I is? don't know if that's true okay. i have no idea yeah but it, it mean it kind of was like i don't know i don't know because fiber is a really confusing like thing in itself like there's so many symptoms and there's so many like issues that can cause like it can mess with your mental health like it's a whole beast in itself yeah. and i have gastroparesis which was caused by all the meds that i was on so like I got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, when when was the uh, car accident you talked about? Was how February twelfth of oh eight. Uh-huh. And and that was after you had had other sports injuries. Is that right? Oh yeah, like on top of sports injuries, I was like, if somebody was gonna break a bone or have a stress fracture, it was me, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I was taped up. I was wearing braces. Like, I was a mess, but yeah. Do you know, like, how many injuries you had, like, even before you had your car accident? No. I have no idea. It's just too many Because I've broken every finger, every toe, both my ankles, both my wrists. Like, I've broken, I've fractured my back. Like, I've had concussions. I, I mean, I still skated through a lot of these. Yeah. Like broken toes and as long as it didn't affect anything, like if it wasn't like an ankle, like if it was a wrist, like sometimes depending on the severity of the break, like I'd still skate. Wow. That's so. crazy. Um, so it doesn't you, sound that crazy to me, but I guess looking at well, it. Well, yeah, you, you lived it. <laughs> yeah. Looking but at it, it But that's outside. how much I lived it is. It was so normal to me. And, and that's what all my friends did. Like, I didn't have a lot of friends at school. So, like, all my friends were from the ice rink. So, that's just what we did. Yeah. And I'm sure so, like, a lot of your it friends wasn't got that injured. weird to any of us because we all had the same schedule. We were on the same schedule. We hung out. We did. We took those days off of school to go to competitions. Like, it wasn't weird to us. And, like, yeah. I got time off school for it, and it counted for, like, my gym credits and stuff. I never took gym. I was either injured or I was skating. And so you said you had, um, you also said you had, have, like, anxiety, PTSD, agoraphobia. Did it, was the P, did PTSD <laughs> yeah. develop, was that from your car accident? Partially. Yeah. I have complex PTSD, 
Mm. So it's like I've had trauma my whole life. Like, I'm really open about it, but, mm-hmm. like, it makes some people uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I don't No, like, from, from, like, molesting me as a child type stuff. Oh, wow. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, like, I'm really open about it. I don't care. Like, I'm super, I'm so open about it. Like, I wasn't talking about, like, that with her, but, like, my best friend, who's kind of stuck through me, I met her kind of right before my accident. Yeah. And she kind of has stuck by me through, like, all the really, really, really hard stuff, even though she had no reason to. I was a horrible person. But she did. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you never did anything to me. I'm like, okay, but my actions towards other people were horrific. So, like... And you knew about every single one. So, like, I was pretty, like, good until I got, like, after my car accident and after they started throwing painkillers at me, yeah. the pain doctors and stuff. That's when I uh, lost my goddamn mind and turned into a different human being. It's like the more opiates they put me on, the worse I was. And at that point, I was on probably 13 psych meds, let alone the other stuff I was on. Like, it was bad. Yeah, with the psych meds, you said you almost died of serotonin syndrome. So what is that, and how did it make you feel, and what led up to that? I don't know, to be honest with you. I woke up in the ICU with a breathing tube down my throat, punching a nurse in the face. I couldn't tell you. Um, that doesn't sound like a good day. All I know about that night is I had a migraine. So if I catch a migraine in time with Imitrex and meds and stuff, I can sometimes ward it off. Sometimes. Like, not a very good shot, but, like, occasionally it'll work. And I had just taken my nighttime meds, which was 13 psych meds plus buprenorphine injections, muscle relaxers, whatever nerve medication I was on. Like, I was on it, like, close to 20 medications, but it was 13 psych meds alone. So this is what they think happened. They don't know if I had it and nobody knew I had it or if this is, like, their theory of what happened. I took my nighttime meds, and psych meds work a lot of time with serotonin. So as my night meds were starting to work, the only thing that I did differently was take an Imitrex. And I think the way that Imitrex works, I think, is that it basically dumps serotonin. It does something with your serotonin. So they think I just got a crap ton of serotonin. It's either a crap ton of serotonin or like a huge decrease in serotonin. It's one or the other. I, and that, I don't know what happened. I guess I tried, I guess I went to sleep. And I know this because of after the fact. I had talked to my abusive ex fiance's mom, I guess at midnight. And she, I, I had called her somehow. How? I have no idea. I have not talked to this woman in 10 plus years. No, that's not true. I talked to her once because her son got in and he almost died in a motorcycle accident and I'm the one that called her to let her know what was going on. Anyhow, I somehow ended up on the phone with her. 
she said it sounded like I was struggling to breathe and I wasn't talking. So she's like, I wasn't sure if you called me in your sleep, but I knew what kind of medication you were on when I knew you. And I just didn't want to take a chance. Mm-hmm. So she called a wellness check on me. I guess my apartment was locked and they somehow got a hold of my dad. And then I guess I got taken away in an ambulance and then I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. My, I was told that my heart rate was in the 200s. And then my blood pressure was 200 over 180. So they didn't know what was happening and they were afraid I was going to have, because of that combination, they were afraid that I was going to, I think, have like a massive heart attack. So they intubated me and I was on life support for, I think, four or five days. And my dad, who's a pharmacist, actually figured out what was wrong with me after a couple of days. He was at He was in the ICU with me, I guess, and he was like, I think you guys should call a toxicologist in here. I think she has serotonin syndrome. And they didn't listen to him because he was my dad and he was too close to the situation. I'm like, whatever, whatever, whatever. He's like, I know what kind of med she's on. I've been a pharmacist for 25 or 30 years or whatever it is. I think it's longer than that, actually. He's 73. So he's been a pharmacist his entire life since he was in his 20s. He's like, I think she has serotonin syndrome. Like, I'm telling you. And then a couple days after that, they called the toxicologist in because they were like, yeah, we don't know what the hell is going on right now. So, like, we're going to call a toxicologist. Why not? The guy took one look at my med list and he goes, who the fuck let this 34-year-old girl, essentially, be on this kind of medication? They shouldn't be allowed to practice. Well, because my dad was like, they're just treating her. He's like, I'm at a, in, like, in between a rock and a hard place because I know she should not be on medication like this. I know better. He's like, but I can't go into every doctor's appointment with her. And I can't tell these doctors no and at the same time watch my daughter who's suffering. Like, so he was in between a rock and a hard place, essentially. Mm. So it all came to a head and then that's kind of how I ended up on the trails to Kratom. So this was only because a couple of years ago with when this happened because you're only what, it 35 happened. now? It was like a, I got in my car accident. It was like I had a great life. I had everything going for me. I was so in love. I was so happy. Like things, some things had gone wrong. Like I'm not going to lie to you and say they had not. Like, some, I've, I had some horrible shit happen to me in my life. I've been raped four times by two different people. Oh, man. I get very, like, scared. Like, for me to be talking to you right now is, like, a big deal. Yeah, Because I you are a male, and that's my PTSD. So, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's why I'm so open, because if I'm not, people think I'm an awful bitch. So, like, I'm very open about things. Because I have to be. I can't function any other way. Yeah. And it makes some people uncomfortable because I'm that open about things. I don't know you from, you know, I don't yeah. know you from anybody. We just talked and on I tell Facebook. You, and I tell you the yeah. things that I'm telling you. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, I well, can't. Well, I appreciate that. I and can't it function takes any other to way. do that, too. And I appreciate that, too. So when, when so, did you first know. discover Kratom? About a year ago right now. Okay. I don't remember how, and mm-hmm. I don't remember 
how it happened, but I got linked up with three people. They put me in a couple Facebook groups. They got in touch with, I told her my situation. So she sent me a care package with enough Kratom for me to wean off the buprenorphine and then make the jump to Kratom. That's how I got started. And three months later, I was at the Naperville meeting, which is where that original thing, I think I might have tweaked it a little bit, but that's the original thing that you were sent. Okay, yeah. Yeah, when, when that your statement is you made what I was going to read at the Naperville meeting. Oh, uh, okay. Did you read there? And we want No. Okay. <laughs> I got no because it ended up being that we didn't have to because okay. Max from the AKA was there, Jack Henningfield. Yeah. And I forgot. Oh, Vern. I think his last name's Troy. He's a lobbyist, I believe, in Alabama, maybe. They okay. were there for the ban on Naperville. Yeah. And we won. Yep, so yep. They I talked. remember watching this. I, I actually watched it live streaming. And do you know oh, Nina? Oh, yeah, I was there. You Did know you Nina? see a girl on crutches? That was me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. That was me. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were involved in, or, or went to Naperville. And uh, do you know uh, Nina? Yeah. Yeah. I love Nina. Yeah, she's great. We had her on here. Does Kratom help with, is, does it just uh, lower your anxiety? Yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. It doesn't treat anything specifically. It just can yeah. help with like symptoms of. Like anxiety. Yeah, like it can help with certain symptoms of anxiety. It can help with like certain symptoms of like it can give you a great mood boost. It can give some, like a white strain would give you energy generally. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I love it. It's, it's like a miracle plant. <laughs> it really is. Now, did you get off of your opiates with Kratom or did you cut down you, on them? No, I got off of the opiates because I almost went to federal prison and my pain doctor cut me off cold turkey. Yeah, okay. <laughs> And then six weeks later, I was still in misery and hell, and two methadone clinics had turned me down because I was on too many opiates. Okay. Had you ever heard that in your life? It, it was the weirdest thing. My dad's like, I have never, in my years of practice as a pharmacist, heard of people getting turned down for being on too many opiates. Like, yeah, really? What? Isn't that what it's for? I think methadone is more meant to treat heroin, but heroin is an opiate, is legal. I was on legal heroin. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I was just on such a high dose and I was on so many other medications. Like, I think it was a combination of things, but that's just what they said to be like, nope. And they, and they can do that. Yeah. They can, they can say yes or no to you. And then I found, my dad found a psychiatrist who specialized in opiates. So he hauled my ass over there and he put me on buprenorphine. Yeah. So I was on that for, I'm going to be six years sober at the end of this October. So I think I was on the buprenorphine for 
four and a half years and then about, yeah, give or take a little more than four years, almost five years. And then I got onto the Kratom about a year ago now-ish. So you're off the buprenorphine too? Yeah, I got off that too. I've gotten off like a bunch of psych meds. I've gotten off of, I'm not off of my muscle relaxers, but I take far less than I used to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've gotten off a lot of medication. And you said you got off your psych meds? Not all of them. Not, yeah. But but some of I've them. I've gotten off of a lot of them, more than half of them, and I'm in the process of getting off more, like, as we speak. Um. So when you first started taking Kratom, did you... Did it take a while for you to find your dose? Yes. The first time I took it, I took way freaking too much, and I threw up. Yeah. And then it took me a uh, Sherry and people like Sherry and Nina and, like, the first few people I met, they really helped me. So I found my dose pretty quick, but... The past couple of months, my dose has even gone down because it's not the same every day for me. I also have gastroparesis, so that's when your stomach is partially paralyzed or paralyzed, so mine's partially paralyzed. Okay. So, like, my digestion and my whole GI tract is really bad. I have IBS really, 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 really bad, like the worst case you can think of. Like, that's what I have. Does so, it mess with that at all? No. Okay. I've never had a problem. Yeah, because it gives a lot of people constipation, and they have to drink a lot of water, but that can usually be controlled with other things like magnesium citrate. Yeah, I take a magnesium pill yeah. every day. Is it citrate? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I take that, and that's helped me, like, a ton. I already have, like, issues with that, so, like, it yeah. hasn't made them worse than they already were. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And have you had any other side effects with Kratom? Other than the one time I threw up or the one time, like, if I try something new. Because, you know, sometimes when you try something new, you should take a little less. Yeah, yeah. Just to, like, gauge it. Sometimes I'll forget to do that. And if it's, like, a, let's say it's a little tiny bit stronger of a batch or something, like, I'll have to say, oh, next time I have to take a little less. The worst that's ever happened happened to me is nausea, but, like, that's a real quick fix, too. Yeah. Eat something. And now that I'm not in active addiction, I'm a less is more type person, and I'm really careful about everything. I just am, no matter whether mm -hmm. that's a prescription, whether that's whatever it is, like... I'm a lot more careful. I still do things that are shitty for my body and knowingly that they're shitty for my body. But, like, I'm a cigarette smoker, which that was an addiction thing kind of too. So, like, mm -hmm. I can't shake that yet. That's something I haven't been able to shake. But that's also down to, like, my other issues. Like, I think if I didn't have the other issues I had, and I just moved, so I didn't cut down on smoking, so I can't even say that. Like, I've actually cut down on smoking, too, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm just slowly improving my life, and it's all happened because of my service dog and training and 
my animals and like Kratom. They're the things that like, because by Kratom, I have found some of the people that I love most in this world. Like, so like, it's just been a good thing in my life, regardless of it's gotten me to get up and fight for something within the first three months of taking it. I would have never been caught dead at a city council meeting for something. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would have never happened before ever in a million years. So many people that are coming out of these types of problems or, you know, addiction at least and and this type of stuff, they're finding Kratom and it helps them physically and then there's this whole community that community is a mm-hmm. good thing. That's why a lot of people will go to church after they get sober, you know, cuz it's it's community which which yeah, I think this I is a great thing that, that I stumbled upon too, you know. This Kratom community. I mean, even though I technically got sober almost 6 years ago, I feel like I actually got sober last year. You're now even you're off all opiates. Technically I've been sober. Well, yeah, I mean, buprenorphine is it's a maintenance drug. It's medically yeah. assisted treatment, which is amazing. And I think it should be available to anyone and everyone who needed it because it got yes. me from point A to point B where I needed to be. Yes. It got me off of that abusing that kind of a prescription. I was abusing it. Yeah. So I was taking way more than 116 milligrams of Dilaudid in a day. I was, in, I mean, I was injecting that stuff, not IV, because I never learned how to use my veins because I have small, deep veins and they roll. So, yeah. like, I'm not about that life. But I was doing it <laughs> intramuscularly. Wow. Like, I was, I was in denial, but I was a really bad addict for a couple of years. I mean, I guess it was in the years before they started cracking down. I guess on the uh, opiates prescriptions. I'm one now of the nobody can get them. That like caused that problem yeah <laughs> i'm part of the opiate pandemic i yeah. am the opiate pandemic i'm like the walking embodiment of it because <laughs> like i was brought up in upper middle class white class suburbia and i went all the way down the rabbit hole i am the embodiment of like what they will do to you yeah i lost everything i lost my mother i lost the person that i was going to be with for the rest of my life Mm. i lost myself i lost everything if it wasn't for my father i would not be here i would be sitting in federal prison because when i got arrested that is when as an addict i made the conscious decision that i was at the end of my rope And that I wanted something different. I just didn't know how, where, when, and how to get to that point. Because my dad was in denial of how bad I was. Mm. I was in denial of how bad I was. So, like, but I made that. I I crutched because I'm on crutches. I have been for almost 12 years. Mm. I crushed into that courtroom. I saw my dad's face. And as like the judge is talking, I'm not hearing a goddamn word that man was saying. 
I'm thinking, okay, what do I do? How do I fix this? How do I get out of this situation? I need to get sober. That's where I need to start. I need to be sober because I'm not going to spend in prison for 25 years. It's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I have a weird story, I guess. So have you ever had a doctor that you could talk about with Kratom? Do you talk about it with your doctors? Um, Like I said, I'm a pretty open book about things. Yeah. And when I told my psychiatrist, it was pretty interesting. He's like, no, like, don't, don't do it. And I'm like, listen, do I seem messed up to you right now? Like right this second, as I am talking to you, he's like, no, you seem perfectly fine, happy, normal, whatever. I'm like, because I took Kratom an hour before I came here. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm living proof to him. Like, I don't know if the man would endorse it, but he isn't fighting with me about it yeah well that's good that's good because i mean i pretty much told him and i don't know if they're more open to it because the guy that he practices under is an opiate like specialized people so i don't know if that's why they're more open to it but i also told my gi i also tell my gi that i'm on it or that i take it so I've never had a doctor yet fight about it with me or be like, I won't see you anymore because of it. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. They may have originally voiced, like, no, like, I don't, like, whatever. But I'm like, look, I'm living proof. If, like, my health starts to decline or if anything crazy happens and you can trace it back to the Kratom and I'm not better for it, then fine, I'll fix. I'll, I'll say fine. I won't take it anymore. Well, that's and good. And it's been a year, and nobody has been able to tell me otherwise. So. <laughs> so I always ask this to everybody who was addicted to opiates. Do you ever get withdrawals from opiates that were from kratom that were anything like opiates? Not even in the same ballpark. Yes. Like, not even like. Because for me, and the amount of opiates that I was on, if I was withdrawing from them, it was hell. Like, I've had light withdrawals before. The worst Kratom withdrawal I've ever had, and I wouldn't even necessarily, I can't even necessarily pin it on the Kratom, is like I'll get hot and cold flashes a little bit. Like, you know, that kind of, have you ever been through withdrawals? No. One of the biggest and, like, most annoying, just annoying, not, like, the worst, but, like, it's a very annoying, like, the hot and the cold and that, but it's not even to that level. Like, it's it's just not, you can't even compare the two. A lot of people say it's like if you drink a lot of coffee and then you don't have coffee for a couple That's days. That's what I was just going to say. I drink Which a lot of coffee. Which is what I'm going through right now because I haven't had, we, we're just out of coffee and I'm waiting for some more to come in the mail and I'm like, ah, I want some coffee. That's it. I'm not going to, you I know. Mean, yeah, that, <laughs> I drink like a lot of caffeine. So like, if I, like I said, in the morning if I don't have my like morning dose of Kratom, like I'm cranky until I have my... Morning dose of crazy, but like it's never made me like sick to my stomach. It's never made me uncomfortable to the point 
where I can't live my life and I can't function and I can't get off my bathroom like not even in the same arena yeah like it's like if you don't have your morning cup of coffee you might get like a headache yeah you know what exactly I mean? that's that's what I hear that's what I hear from people who are addicted to opiates they're like the if I didn't have opiates I'd get violently ill if I don't have my kratom eh, I might get a little anxious or restless well, legs. and let me <laughs> tell you that I like for I wouldn't go out and rob my mother <laughs> to buy a pill, but or, or to buy a bag of kratom. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like yeah. I'm not. If I run out of kratom, I will live. I might be cranky, but I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> if I if I didn't have that next pill or that next whatever to tide me over. I am violently ill. I will do just about anything in the world, come hell or high water, to make that feeling go away. Yeah, a lot of people say that Kratom gave them their life back from from opiate It help. does give you... It, 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 it completely... I would agree with that. While my life is... From the outside looking in, my life is probably still really hard. But other than the past week or so... I've been able to walk my dog. I've been able to leave my house every single day to go do something with my dog. I leave, I leave my house every couple hours to take that dog on a walk. I have four cats. Like, I have responsibilities, and I can take care of them. Yes, I still need help sometimes. Yes, I suffer with a lot of things. But would I go back a year ago and... And be in the position I was in before I found Kratom? Absolutely not. You cannot pay me enough to go back and not have it anymore because, like, it truly does give you your life back. And it's so simple. And it's, I have never experienced anything from Kratom that would make me think hmm, maybe I shouldn't be on it. Nothing but improvement. A lot of things I think aligned at the same time, but like, that's because I was also looking for it because I was at the end of my rope and I was like, I need, I need to do something different. I'm like stagnant. I need to fix something. And then that's how I got connected with the right people. Thank you very much, Jory Katowski. That was another great survival story. Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me, Brian Gallagher, for KratomScience.com. Please like and subscribe. 